Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Thursday morning, the 15th of June. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The warning signs were there, but we hear it came as a bolt out of the blue that shocked government ministers. Pleas for help went unheeded. The government is left with its pants down and the future of 650 jobs and that of Tara Mines is now uncertain. Last week, I was in contact with employees who raised concerns with me where measures were being taken, what they called control measures, to reduce costs. This included a freeze on recruitment, a freeze on overtime, a stopping of discretionary spending, a stopping of training and education, reducing and drilling, cutting contractors. I had people contact me last week, subcontractors, who were being let go with immediate effect. There were warning signs last week. Warning signs that I raised, that my local media raised. And meetings were scheduled in the coming week with the Minister for Enterprise, Simon Coveney. Which makes it all the more stranger that without any consultation with the union, that the management have acted in this way. And my thoughts are for the people who work in the mine. I had a lady contact me last night while her husband was called into this meeting at 9pm, whose husband and her son work in the mine. The son had just started as an apprentice. And that is not uncommon in Tara Mines, that literally sons follow their fathers down the mine. There is an entire ecosystem of jobs in Tara Mines. I have travelled to the bottom of the mine some 800 metres underground, where they literally have garages in operation, mechanics, engineers, skilled electricians, there is an entire plethora of skilled workforce down there. This is the largest zinc mine in Europe. I have to say there's, you know, a real hurt in terms of the way that this was handled. Uh, a bolt out of the blue. Um, both myself and Deputy Gurk have written on numerous occasions to the Minister for, for Energy, uh, Minister Ryan, when there were concerns in relation to energy. I've, we, we wrote specifically to, to Mr Nystrom himself uh, uh, as, as General Manager as far back as the end of, of, of April. Um, I think that the, the question uh, for, for workers is, what does temporary mean? Um, what more can government do in this, this instance? Um, is there anything that can be done? I think you know it's clear that energy costs are, are a huge factor here. What more can government do? I think the issue is over the coming weeks, while the wind down of the work is happening, um, to, to make it, uh, to continue to make uh, the mine kept in a safe condition, such that when conditions improve, 
the mind can open quickly that there's not another six months delay getting it back in order at that stage. And I would appeal to the company to keep the mine ready for opening, not just when they see a price increase, it's now going to take another six months because uh, it wasn't kept uh, up to the standard that is required. Uh, SIPTU have said that the company contacted the government six months ago about pressure that they were under and they, they have heard nothing back. Uh, there was there was several contributing factors, others like there was a six-month uh, delay in issuing a drilling licence. We know that they were excluded from the uh, assessing the European Energy Fund. Uh, government ministers on this morning that it came out of the blue. I, I wrote to Minister Ryan myself on the 11th of May, um, not for a meeting with me, but for a meeting with all me, the Rocktus members, um, and and SIP2 and the management at Bolton Tower Mines. It's very, very disappointing that he didn't facilitate that meeting. You know, when you see what has come down the road today. I don't know the exact timeline, Deputy, of um, the engagement between the company and the government, um, but I think I heard you say that the company wrote to the government six months ago and they got no response. I know that's not the case because uh, I know there has been uh, engagement and there have been meetings and indeed they were scheduled to meet Minister Coveney only next week. Thank you. Right, that's the Taoiseach Leo Vradker speaking in uh, the Dáil yesterday. We'll hear more from the Taoiseach and what he had to say about her minds in the Dáil later in the programme. We also heard there from Sinn Féin TD, Johnny Gurk, Fianna Fáil TD, Sean Fleming, Sinn Féin TD, Darren Rook and at the outset it was Fianna Fáil Senator Shane Castles. Let's speak now to John Regan, SIP2 sector organiser because uh, the trade unions met with uh, the company and uh, you have an update, uh, I think, for us uh, this morning, John, because it was expected the layoffs would take place sometime over the course of the next four weeks. Uh, Am I right in thinking uh, you've convinced Blyden at this stage to step back from this uh, for a while? Well, it's not quite that, but we are asking, we did ask them yesterday um, to obviously look at alternatives and... um, give us a clear signal in the coming days as to whether that's an option or not uh, because we can't accept care maintenance, we can't accept a layoff um, in, in, in the mine at this stage and uh, yesterday evening I got a call to say that the company will be meeting us again this Friday morning which is obviously positive uh, and hopefully we can advance uh, some ideas that we would have and indeed, uh, I'm hoping the management will also bring ideas that may very well help uh, to, keep, to keep the mine uh, in operation and avoid care and maintenance. Uh, but we won't know until Friday. Yeah. I've equally um, yesterday wrote to, again, um, as, as some of your recordings has, has stated, we've been looking for a meeting for a number of weeks with Minister Ryan. And uh, yesterday I wrote again to Minister Ryan and uh, Mr. Coveney seeking an urgent meeting. And um, I got an acknowledgement straight away from Minister Coveney's office, um, but I'm still awaiting anything from uh, Minister Ryan. But my view is that um, regardless of what we can try and bring to the table to try and avoid uh, the payoff situation, the government are going to have to play a part here. There's money needed and this government has to uh, step up to the mark in every possible way. Even if we ultimately end up with layoffs, um, there needs to be more than just uh, social welfare payments. It's not good enough these days. And and I say that in general terms for all workers that face this um, 
situation where an employer just leaves everybody on pay off. We have to get um, um, pay into people's pockets in a different way than just social welfare, unemployment benefit. Okay, we heard Johnny Gurk tell the Taoiseach that the company wrote to the government six months ago and got no response. They were appealing for help. The Taoiseach said, no, that's not true. There was a response and that the government has been engaging with the company over that time. Which of them is right? Both of them can't be right. No, no, I can verify absolutely that the government has been involved. The, the company had told us in April of this year that they were talking to... Um, the Tornish at the time, uh, Bradker, uh, seeking financial support and that it didn't go anywhere. Uh, what we are, you know, very disappointed with, that's, and, and, and again, it was with the company when we told that to them, that they should have engaged with us six months ago uh, and we could have avoided all this. And, uh, and that was when the company said to you that it was told by government it wouldn't qualify for the EU Energy Fund because it was involved in mineral extraction? Yeah, I heard that recently, obviously, months after they had met with the company or with the money, with the government. Um, but that came from the Tarnished in April, did it? Or yeah. Did, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Okay. Um, and again, we pointed out to the management uh, at that meeting, we learned about all of the meetings with government that there was a just transition fund that should have been uh, tapped into and, and maybe a uh, possibility of funds coming from there. So, again, we were right. We wrote to Minister Ryan seeking to explore that option of a just transition support. And we're still awaiting, uh, you know, anything mm. from that department. Okay. That, to acknowledge... My second letter. So there was, but but but, but, but just to interpret what you're saying, John, would it be right to say that there was engagement from uh, the government, but there wasn't meaningful engagement, and certainly not uh, engagement that resulted in something tangible? Correct. Correct. That's how we would view it. And no doubt, when the company was speaking uh, to Minister Coveney about uh, the EU Energy Fund, it would have mentioned, as a by the way, we've been waiting four months at this stage for the drilling license, uh, which didn't come uh, until the 1st of June, six months after it was due to be renewed. Yeah, and, and look, with drilling license, while it is, um, it's not the final decision in making the company turn to care and maintenance, it nevertheless impacted us uh, because drilling uh, was held up uh, for over six months. And uh, I, I believe it was only when we finally approached Minister Brian um, to sign off on this uh, licence that it ultimately came true. Um, now, in fairness to the Minister, I was told that it had only arrived a week beforehand onto his desk. Well, there was process ongoing uh, in relation to um, public um, submissions uh, around the uh, the licence, which is due process and is a normal stuff. But the reality is, um, it, it dragged out productive. I'm sorry, John. We we just lost you there on the crucial point. It dragged out. It dragged out the whole uh, drilling, the lack of drilling for six months, and that probably ultimately impacted on the finances of the company. Okay. We're now currently there. 
Okay, there's a lot of concern for the 650 jobs. Many of them are, are members of SIPTU. Uh, I heard from a, a man yesterday uh, who uh, wanted uh, his name to be withheld, uh, but he, he's one of the contractors uh, and he wants to make the point that there are a lot of contractors on site SEM, QME, Priority Drilling, Drillcon, Sandvec, Epiroc, McMahon Electrical, and various other subcontractors. Uh, and he says, that at a minimum, you're talking about 500 jobs that would be lost directly by by, Le- by, by Leiden's decision. Uh, at a minimum, uh, probably 500, probably 600, and quite possibly much more than that, in addition to the 650 jobs. It is absolutely the case. All them companies are in there, um, and they have been uh, you know, left in the dark, I believe. When I was in there yesterday... Um, some of the contractors didn't even know that the the announcement the night before had happened. And they're not involved in any talks. They've no representation. They're left out in the car park. Uh, They've invested in upgrading machinery. They have subcontractors that they have obligations to, apparently. Uh, And this adds to that uh, number of 650 to close on on 1,200 jobs. Yeah, look, I have it in you know, letters and, and, and uh, releases that are somewhere in the order of 3,000 indirects affected by this. It's, uh, it's a major, major catastrophe. Um, and them 3,000 jobs, uh, you know, go into the community of Navan and the greater area of Mead, uh, supplies of materials and foods even into the mine, they're all now going to get impacted on because of this. Uh, and uh, as we said to the management yesterday, this is not something that we're going to accept lying down. Okay. It is not something we believe is, a, is necessary. There is an alternative. And uh, we will be exploring that on Friday with the company. All right. Uh, the Minister, Eamon Ryan, will be taking questions uh, in the doll this morning. We'll hopefully hear some uh, positive news uh, from the Minister who has responsibility for all of this. But I, I, I think uh, a lot hinges on that meeting uh, that you're due to have with the company on Friday morning. Without overstating it, um, I, I think you're saying that it's hopeful that there may not be layoffs or at least that they're not inevitable at this stage. Well, we would always try to keep the glass half full and that's what we're going to try and do with this. It's not going to be an easy task because uh, of the fact that it is uh, the Leiden, um board that are in control of this. And uh, at this moment in time, uh, we uh, don't have access to them. But after Friday, we may have to go looking for them because uh, it would appear, and I hope I'm wrong uh, and proved wrong on Friday, that the local management are actually in control and have uh, you know, negotiating rights and be able to change the that we're currently on. Okay. If they don't have that uh, authority, then we are going to have to seek uh, you know, some members of the board uh, I did write to the president of the board uh, the, uh, in the last five or six weeks uh, seeking a meeting uh, and I ended up with the local management meeting instead of the president. So we may have to go back to there again. OK, John, thank you indeed uh, for joining us for the update uh, and uh, indeed uh, for 
uh, explaining to us uh, what the next steps are. Hopefully there'll uh, be something fruitful from uh, that meeting and you won't have to uh, look at, at uh, the alternatives. Uh, that's uh, John Regan, uh, sector organiser with SIP2. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Aaron O'Rourke, Sinn Féin spokesperson on the environment uh, this morning. He'll be asking questions of the Minister for the Environment about Tara Mines. Good morning, Darren O'Rourke. Thanks for joining us. What will you be asking Eamon Ryan? Well, I'll be specifically um, asking him to agree to the request, repeated request, and as recently as yesterday, to meet with SIP2. Uh, um, along with Minister Simon Coveney. That's a, a request, and you will have heard from, from Johnny Gork yesterday, that Sinn Féin had made on previous occasions that he hasn't yet uh, agreed to or certainly uh, facilitated. Um, so we'll want that to happen, and I think that's something that he should confirm and that should happen as soon as possible. The and he was asked directly by SIPTU. Uh, indeed, SIPTU wrote to both ministers yesterday, as John Regan yeah. told us a few moments ago. Exactly, yeah. So, so, and SIPTU have requested that meeting to happen early next week. So I'll be asking the minister on the floor of the doll, will he agree to that? The other thing I'll, I'll be asking the, the minister is um, what efforts he has made uh, uh, to reduce the cost of energy. Um, and I think that's a, a fundamental role that he has responsibility for. And that is a key factor, not the whole factor, but a key factor in relation to the decision by, by Tara Mines. And, and we've spoken uh, uh, yeah. on numerous occasions about, you know, we can point to windfall taxes, we can point to caps on, on the price of electricity, we can point to uh, the price of electricity in Ireland compared to other European countries or 48% above the, the European average. Um, and I will ask the, the Minister what specific measures, because it's being reported now in the media that there are specific interventions, specific schemes being considered similar to the support scheme for the microchip industry and um, there's you know considerations of mm. state aid and that type of thing but specifically what measures what types of supports or interventions or schemes that the minister uh, is going to propose. Well Siptu told us a few moments ago uh, that Simon Coveney Minister Simon Coveney told the company in April that they wouldn't qualify for the EU energy fund because they're involved in mineral extraction um, uh, The Union, SIPTU, had been looking to meet with Eamon Ryan to ask him to lobby uh, on the company's behalf uh, to gain access to that fund. And had SIPTU had the opportunity to meet with Eamon Ryan, they told us a moment ago that they'd have asked the Minister um, to uh, look at the Just Energy Fund uh, and if the company could qualify for that. And let's not forget that the workers were also volunteering to take a 3% pay cut in May. No, oh, no, absolutely. And, and I think th- there's, there's a couple of really important points, I think, in relation to this. In, in my opinion, by my assessment, the workers are uh, the, the, the victims in, in all of this. They are caught between, in my opinion, uh, a dithering government uh, that has delayed, that has failed to engage, that has failed to really stress test the, 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 um, the possible schemes or possible interventions that could be made to support Tara Mines. And then on the other hand, the workers are caught with a with an employer that has been quite ruthless here, um, that has been strategic, um, 
that has failed by the union's account to appropriately engage, to appropriately consider alternatives uh, to the, uh, the, 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 the approach that well, they've taken. We heard a few moments ago, in fairness, from SIPTU that the government has engaged. Going back to uh, that interaction uh, that uh, your colleague Johnny Gurk had with uh, the Taoiseach yesterday about the company writing to the government six months ago uh, and uh, looking for help, uh, but there was no response. Uh, the Taoiseach said there was response and that there was engagement from the government with the company. But we heard from John Regan a few moments ago that there wasn't meaningful engagement, that all that came of that was that Simon Coveney said to the company that you won't qualify for the EU Energy Fund. We assume the company mentioned the drilling licence, which might have helped to some degree. But that was more or less the end of it. No, and, and that's that's the point. Um, it's it's you know I, I think um, there is a number of factors at, at play here, and uh, f- for me, you know, it, 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 it may be the question of um, was was this situation avoidable? I think it is certainly could have been avoidable if different measures were taken. Maybe it, maybe it might, maybe it, it might have been. But one thing for sure, if if we're to ask the question, could more have been done? The answer to that is absolutely certain, certainly. And that's that's a problem for me. And I think that's a legitimate criticism of the government. And it's a legitimate criticism of the employer in this case. Could the government have done more? Absolutely, they could have done more. They could have they could have, and in the broad terms, in terms of tackling the high cost of energy, they could have done lots more. And I, I mentioned before, windfall taxes, price caps, that sort of thing that's happening on a European base. Don't forget, this is a company that is operating uh, similar mines in Finland and in Norway. They're not closing those mines. What's the, the price mm. is inc- But they've other strands of the businesses there, don't they? They, 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 they do, but the, also they're operating in the same zinc market in, in Finland. And perhaps Norway. so, but maybe those companies are being buoyed up by the other business that they do other than zinc. No, and, and uh, but, but I think it's legitimate to say what is, what is the difference between the operating environment in Ireland versus Norway versus, versus Finland. And a key thing we can point to is the cost of energy. And the government have levers in relation to the cost of energy um, in terms of windfall taxes, in terms of price caps, in terms of direct schemes that they are only now looking at, um, I think that's completely inexcusable. Surely they should have been looking at the type of scheme. Fair enough, there might be uh, rules that they can't uh, qualify for certain schemes that are there and existing. But six months ago, when they were notified of the problems at Tower Mines, was the time to explore alternatives. For example, the alternative that they're, they're apparently looking at now, which is a, a scheme similar to the support scheme, a 100 million euro support scheme that is there for the, the tech sector, for the microchip sector. Surely that's a, an option. Instead of looking at it in, in the middle of June, that they should have been looking at in the middle of December or the middle of January. Uh, and how quickly could such a scheme be established and can it save people from being laid off, people who have to uh, pay their mortgage every month or who have other obligations? Well, I think it's one strand of it that that absolutely needs to be pursued and pursued very aggressively. I think the other thing that needs to happen is that the the, the ministers need to meet with the unions to listen to their proposals. And I think it's very disappointing that the the employer has come with this unilateral decision uh, of care and maintenance instead of looking at, as you pointed to already, and and John Regan and Siptu has spelled out quite clearly, the range of proposals that they had to to try and uh, um, get through this difficulty 
difficult period for the business. That's the way industrial relations is supposed to happen. And whether it was a decision in Navan or a decision in, in, in Stockholm, um, I think it's completely unacceptable, the approach from, from, from this company. And that's felt very sorely, I think, and, and very clearly uh, from, from the workers, certainly the workers that I've been talking to. All right. Um, they made a profit of nearly €20 million Euro in 2021. They had made losses more or less uh, on the same scale, uh, I think, the year previous. Uh, is uh, this company in f- financial dire straits? Well, and again, that's supposed to be part of the process. And I think, I think to be clear, and again, to be critical of the company in terms of their approach here, I think they've certainly had an eye on the stock exchange more than they've had an eye on the, 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 the um, circumstances of, of their employees. And, and that's strategic, and I'm using the word ruthless. I believe it is, it, it is ruthless. Um, uh, I, I don't have full, account, uh, full detail of, of their accounts. They've, when we met and local Oireachtas members met with, with management yesterday, they painted a picture of, of dire straits. But usually in the normal course of events, in industrial relations and uh, situations where a company is trying to get through a difficult period, that's where you have clear size in terms of the, the, the overall finances of the, of the company, the local finances of the company. But one thing is very clear that this is a company that, it, that, is, that is profitable, that is operating in a number of, of markets, um, that you know, has come through difficult periods in the past in terms of the low cost of, of zinc, that is saying very clearly and, uh, you know, it is a concern, I, I'd say, I, I have to, I hold myself, saying very clearly that this is a temporary measure and that the, the mine will get back up and running. We, we don't know what the circumstances, and that's a concern, uh, what circumstances will need to prevail for that to happen. But I think, and I, I think it's a legitimate question, I think the unions clearly are pursuing it because they're, they're right, I think, not to agree to this care and maintenance approach to fight tooth and nail for alternative solutions. And the basis of that fighting tooth and nail is that they think there's a, a legitimate alternative that will sustain the company and sustain the jobs that is uh, um, an alternative to the care and maintenance approach and the temporary layoff, hopefully temporary layoff, only temporary layoff of, of 650 staff with wider implications. So those alternatives absolutely need to be pursued. It's completely uh, ruthless, in my opinion, of the of the company to uh, take a unilateral decision and enter into care and maintenance. Those alternatives must be explored, and at the heart of that conversation is the the financial viability uh, and robustness of the of the company. Right. Uh, does somebody need to go in and get under the hood if Tara Mines, if Biden insists that they're going to go ahead with layoffs uh, uh, and see? Uh, if they could plough through this, uh, if uh, they had the wherewithal to plough through this, rather than telling people you're out of work with no pay uh, from what whatever the time is. Absolutely, 100%. And that's, I think, the request from, from SIP2. I think uh, um, it's a clear request from the, the staff themselves. Um, it's a matter of uh, trying to find alternatives way forward uh, here and to to be able to do that, to have a full assessment of it, um, we need to see exactly what the picture is in terms of, of the finances, in terms of those, those options. But I also think we need to ensure uh, 
that uh, uh, Boland and Tara Mines here are acting in a way that is compliant with uh, Irish employment law. I think that's a, a question, like, is it legitimate for a company to uh, suspend operations, to temporary lay off 650 uh, staff with no indication, practically no support, mm. and no indication of a, of a return. I think that's something, I'm not a, an employment uh, uh, barrister or, or expert. I think that's surely a line that SIPTU will be pursuing um, because it, it, it has significant implications. A, a company suggesting that, that it has uh, cash flow issues and to take this approach, which is a hugely um, severe approach, I would say. And the fact that, and it was asked repeatedly yesterday from a range of, of local representatives, including myself, what alternatives, why didn't you explore alternatives? And I have to say, I wasn't at all satisfied um, with, with the response. The response was the same response as, as you've gotten and as you've heard. Well, it was a, a, a decision that was made to um, to uh, protect the uh, overall uh, operation of of of, of um, and I mm. don't think that's enough. Okay, we'll leave it there. We'll uh, undoubtedly uh, hear uh, the responses uh, to your questions uh, this morning from Eamon Ryan, the Minister for the Environment. But thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the program today, Darren O'Rourke, Sinn Fein spokesperson on the environment. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. The suspension of operations at the mine is devastating and a body blow that will affect the entire community. Workers are being laid off, as you know, without pay in a matter of weeks. And workers now worry about how they'll make, make their mortgage and what the future will hold. This is the Sinn Féin President, Mary Lou MacDonald. While no one could have anticipated the very sudden and very drastic announcement that came overnight, there was an awareness that this mine was under pressure and concerns about the future of the mine. Minister Simon Coveney said in a radio interview this morning that this news is coming out of the blue. But is that really the case, Taoiseach? Because everyone paying attention knew that there was a very serious problem. And in fact, my colleague, Deputy Johnny Girk, wrote to Minister Eamon Ryan, the minister responsible for mining, uh, the mining industry on the 11th of May last. That was over a month ago. I have uh, the letter here, but let me quote what Deputy Girk warned the minister. Uh, he warned about the risk of, of job losses. He said, if this risk becomes a reality, that would be a major blow to this region and certainly merits government intervention as soon as possible. He then went on to request the government meet, meet with the Mead Oireachtas representatives, along with representatives of SIP2 and the Bolladantara mines. Sinn Féin wants to know if Eamon Ryan raised the red flag and told his colleagues in government that there was obviously a problem. Was Minister Ryan in communication with the company? Was Minister Ryan aware of the very serious pressure on the mine, the precarious position? Did Minister Ryan share that information with the rest of government? And why is it that six weeks later, and with now the worst having come to pass, why is it that government is only looking at action now? Those questions were put in leaders' questions yesterday to the Taoiseach Leo Vratker. What has changed and what is significant uh, in recent weeks uh, is a very significant fall in the price and value of zinc. So if your mine produces zinc uh, and the price of zinc falls, uh, that obviously uh, has a consequence. So energy prices have gone up. 
and that's nothing new. Zinc prices have gone down, uh, and that's significant. And I understand that a company, company made a decision at international level uh, to close the mine uh, on a temporary basis. Uh, neither energy costs nor zinc prices are something that are under direct control of the company uh, or the government. Um, but there has been ongoing engagement with the company, uh, and we do want to help. Uh, and that can involve putting in place uh, an energy scheme. Uh, we have energy schemes in place uh, for small businesses, for large businesses, uh, and indeed bespoke schemes where they are required. But it's not as simple as that. The price of zinc has gone down in international markets. And when the product you produce um, falls in value, uh, you have to do the maths. Uh, and the company, it would appear here, has done the maths and has decided to close the mine temporary. Terrible news. Uh, that came as a great surprise. Everyone is shocked, blindsided, because it came out of nowhere. This came out of the blue. I'm at a loss as to why you're feigning surprise. It was very, very clear to government that the mine was under very significant pressure. As a matter of fact, in, in the media, there was a report um, that they had written to government uh, on March the 29th to tell you and to warn of the possibility of ceasing operations. So clearly the company had done the sums, as you say, Taoiseach, but government had not done the sums and had not done its work. I am at a loss as to understand why now, when the worst has happened now, in this moment, government leaves it this late to intervene. That strikes me as a minister or ministers asleep at the wheel. And of course the objective has to be that apprenticeships, apprentices get to finish out their apprenticeships and that this closure is temporary. Everything must be done to ensure that that is the case. But government also have to answer how it is that when you knew the pressure you, that this company was Time's under, up, why it is only now that we are seeing action and why the government feigns surprise in a scenario that, in fact, as you've said, was not surprising at all. Um, Deputy, um, I think it's disappointing that you're trying to exploit this issue. Uh, this is really bad news. Yeah. 650 jobs lost uh, in County Mead, um, and this will impact on thousands of people. Uh, and it's disappointing that you're taking this approach to it. But let me answer, you, let me answer your question. Let me answer your question, question Deputy. Uh, the announcement uh, of the 650 temporary layoffs did come as a surprise. It probably came as a surprise to the management uh, locally as well. Uh, they were due to meet Minister Coveney next week. Uh, there was no indication uh, that this was going to happen in the way it did all of a sudden. The fact that the mine was under pressure, that is no secret, Deputy. Energy prices have gone up. Zinc prices have gone down. Everyone knows uh, that, and that has been the case for months. Uh, and government will work uh, with the company. The government will work with the company to see what we can do uh, to get one the mine reopened uh, and two um, uh, Tara Deep uh, advanced, so that we can secure the future of the mine for decades and ahead. That's the Taoiseach, Leo Bradker, together with Sinn Féin President Mary Lou MacDonald in the Dáil yesterday. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Just some WhatsApp messages today. John Conlon in Bally McKenney says, one of the questions I'd be asking the government about Tara Mines is if we are sure it's a temporary measure. Please God it is. He says a lot of people uh, feeling for the workers. Uh, it's sad for the workers in Tara Mines. But why should they get better social welfare than anyone else? Lots of people People worked for 30 and 40 years and then lost their jobs and their homes but got nothing extra. That's from Ellen. Thanks, Ellen. 
Deirdre says it's a total disaster that Tara Mines in Navin has to close. A big blow to Navin. Can somebody not do anything to keep it open? My heart goes out to the people who work there. Hopefully it is only temporary, Deirdre, as we've been hearing. And uh, another WhatsApp message from somebody who says, very sad for the families in Navin who are affected by the decision. 0419832000. If you want to call us today, text or WhatsApp 086 658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. There's a remarkable story in the Irish Independent today which tells us that drugs were imported under the instruction and supervision of Gardaí. At least this, at least this is what has been said in an affidavit to the High Court and uh, apparently it's a case that has been taken by a retired Gardaí uh, and allegations that relate uh, to between 1997 and 2014 uh, which uh, the former Gardaí says resulted in a conspiracy to force him into retirement because he had raised concerns that certain officers allowed criminals receive drug shipments. The affidavit is from a person, the Irish Independent says, who claims to have worked in the drugs trade under the supervision and instruction of Angarda Siakana, who controlled what drugs got to what dealers certainly is a very serious allegation. Uh, may not be the first time you've heard such a, an allegation. I think uh, there's been theories for some time that Gardaí are involved in the importation of drugs and decide which dealers to arrest or involved in uh, not uh, uh, investigating dealers uh, who are giving them information about smaller dealers uh, and so on. But let's talk about uh, the drug situation locally because uh, as you've been hearing on LMFM news this week. Local Sinn Féin councillor Kevin Meenan is concerned about the drop in the number of seizures locally and he's on the line. A very good morning to you Kevin and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. The Gardaí have rebutted uh, your statement uh, saying uh, that they're working very hard on this. In fact they say that they've taken more drugs off the streets uh, than ever before. Well, I, I, I noticed the figures, Michael, and thanks for having me on. I noticed the figures and I'd asked the question in terms of are we at full complement of of uh, resources there within the drug squad because I noticed the figures were down. Now, I do note and I do pay a compliment to the work that has been done by, by the guards in relation to uh, drug seizures and, and some massive drug seizures. But uh, I, I had just a worry that because the figures were down that maybe there was a a drop in resources and in terms of my, my fear is we deal with issues relating to drugs every day that we can hear in, in our office and in, in my, my term as a councillor here it's uh, it's predominantly taken up with people who have got in trouble uh, with, with drugs or their son has got in trouble with drugs mm. or whatever and also that you, the residence groups will be continually ringing you to say that there's open dealing going on and, and, and there's quite a lot of that has happened and mm. people notice it more Maybe also in the summertime when they're out and about and you see the patterns where yeah, there's a known dealer in the street and you see people hanging at the bottom of the street at certain times and they're leaving the house going down. It's very easy to, to, to actually suss out what's going on yeah. in terms of that. And a lot of people, a lot of people uh, will tell you they're watching this going on all of mm. the time for years. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and some of these houses are, are petrol bombed or <laughs> sometimes shots are, are fired at the house. Uh, and uh, nobody seems to do anything about it uh, and people have, will tell you they've reported it to the Gardaí and nothing seems to happen. 
Yeah, we, we would we would report a lot of this to the guards in terms of where residents would come to us about particular houses, or and it's right across the dock. It's, it's not fair to say it's in any one district, uh, and, and and certain areas get a, get more activity for want of a better word at different times where you have private rented houses and something moves in to set up an op- set up an operation or dealing from there. Then all of a sudden you could have a lovely quiet street turned into a nightmare because you you have the drug traffic coming in and out of the. Out of that street, trying to purchase drugs, then you have attacks on the house. Joe, and sometimes it could be the wrong house or whatever, and 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 it really turns the whole street upside down. And uh, we 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 would hear quite a lot of that. Uh, but also, if the, the other in terms of of drug issues, which which we would deal with here, is is the drug debt intimidation. That's a huge thing, mass, massive thing. And I was saying on on the radio the other day that we are only maybe seeing perhaps some of the maybe the tip of the iceberg because there's a lot of people do not report us because true stigma the, the sun it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Her daughter has run up a drug debt. They quietly pay it off. And uh, we're not aware of it, and the guards aren't made aware of it. Uh, we would deal a lot with the, the council officials in terms of the state management team, because a lot of them, uh, we would work closely with them, and, and they've been excellent in terms of uh, people who have just got into to rent arrears because mm. they simply owe money, lenders and drug dealers money, and uh, we would try and work with them. And, and that, all, all these things take up a huge part. Of I suppose head. the Gardaí can't do anything if they don't know anything about it, uh, but do you believe uh, that uh, the Gardaí aren't acting on information that they are aware of, and are you saying uh, that if that is uh, the case, the reason is a shortage of manpower? No, I, I would say uh, we asked uh, for operational reasons. I was told I wasn't told if they're at the full complement. Uh, I, I would I would trust in terms of the guarantee anything that has been that we have reported up to them. They've they've acted on. So I I really couldn't say in terms of of the, the story that you led on there at the start. I I I would have people yeah people would have always said that or that uh, you'd always always had people saying that they've seen something not get in touch and they don't and they see them not being say arrested or raided people think that there are passing on information I don't know I really couldn't 
couldn't say that's the case. I have no firm proof that that is the case. So I can only take them on the basis of how the working relationship that we would have with them, both myself, Deputy Rory Murray, and some of the other councillors that we have. Uh, but, but it's a wider thing is that this as well, and this was mentioned in the interview in terms of what we have in Drada. We have the implementation team there that's working away, and uh, we have Newry, where you have a feud there as well, and then we are caught in the middle in Dundalk here. So I think we have to look at that. So we're not caught in between two stools. So uh, we have some of the major players who are involved in Drada who have, have have been dealing or have connections that are dealing here in Dundalk. And and when people are, are getting in trouble with drug debt intimidation, it's normally there's some type of faction from Drada mentioned in terms of uh, that's who the money belongs to and that's who you have to pay back. And there's that fear factor then. And as I say, we need to be looking at this from a wider juncture in terms of, say, the implementation team. Yet, if it gets up and running and it proves to be a success, we cannot just leave Dundalk because people will simply move. So, another thing as well, Mike, just to point out, see the age group now in terms of dealers, more organised, get a whole lot younger. Some of the major dealers are around now that we would get complaints about their kids, like they're 16, 17. And uh, and some of them are very very shrewd operators as well, uh, running quite quite. Uh, Nobody you see them giving it to the scooters to people or you know, helping them with transport and uh, putting a lot of pressure on younger people as well, putting pressure on their families to go out and deal. So there's a lot of peer pressure on young kids to get involved in dealing with drugs. But also, like, we, we dealt with a family this week who had, who their son had to to flee out of Ireland because he got into a drug debt. He was holding drugs for somebody. They came back. The drugs were found. He owes the money back, and then they just make these figures up. What started as a two thousand debt turned out to be twenty thousand. There's no way he was paying that. So they have them walking, walking it off, no. intimidating people, firing bricks through, through windows, or doing whatever to try and pay that off. He'll never realistically, mm-hmm. he'll never pay it off. Mm-hmm. No chance. He, he won't do it. And these mm-hmm. figures are just magic. There. And, and that's how they. That's how they get our pyramid scheme. That's how they get their, their people in place, their little foot soldiers, by entrapment and bringing them in. Right. Part of life, uh, I suppose, uh, despite all of the promises, uh, it continues to be part and parcel of living uh, in this country, I think it's probably true to say, but uh, certainly in this part of uh, the world. Uh, we'll leave it there for the moment, Kevin. Thank you indeed uh, for you. joining us on the programme today. Sinn Féin councillor Kevin Meenan. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's go back uh, to the layoffs at uh, Tara Mines. Uh, Peter Tobin is a local TD in the constituency Mead West, leader and founder of Ain't Two and on uh, the line. And uh, a very good morning to you and thanks for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. Do you believe at the stage that layoffs are inevitable? Well, I, I think that's the, um, the, the signs are very, very poor at the moment. Um, and you know, I would really ask the government to properly get involved in this. Last April, uh, I appealed to the government in the Dáil and through the media uh, to engage with Tarmines on the cost of, of energy. Uh, last April, it was apparent to the likes of myself that it was becoming uh, you know, unfeasible for Tarmines to continue with the current uh, cost base that they were experiencing. And it's a great frustration that the government has done absolutely nothing on the cost of electricity. 
Um, you know, Ireland has the highest electricity prices in the, mm. in the whole of the EU. Well, last April, uh, the government looked at it and uh, we heard from Sipju this morning uh, that Minister Simon Coveney came back to the company and said, you don't qualify for the EU Energy Fund uh, because uh, you're extracting minerals. Yeah, so the government have managed to approve 100 million euros in funds for different companies, such as microchip manufacturers, and they've gotten that... Um, permission from the, the European Union. But, you know, even without actually giving uh, support to Tara Mines, the government could have helped Tara Mines in terms of electricity. So what I'm trying to say is that the, the price of electricity in Ireland is way out of kilter with Europe. It's twice the price on average now with the rest of Europe. So the mines that are functioning in Sweden, they're dealing with the same dollar issue. They're dealing with the same zinc price. They're dealing with the same inflation in terms of explosives and materials. The only benefit that they have is they're dealing with a, a government that has sorted out the price of electricity and electricity is far lower. And as a result, they're still functioning. So, you know, it is Ireland has been the only country in Europe not to get to grips with the electricity price. And if you look at the ESB or Electric Ireland, as is now known, you know, they're, they made double the profits last year than they made the previous year, over 650 million euros. Now, that's equivalent to win, winning the lotto every single day in terms of profit. Uh, for Electric Ireland. Now, the government say, well, sure, Art, and we get this in dividends, but dividends to the government on, on the basis of that, that electricity is of no benefit to the likes of Tower Mines or any of the other small businesses that are actually functioning in County Mead that are struggling with the price of electricity, or for that matter, families uh, who, who are in danger as well. So the government could put significant downward pressure on the cost of electricity. It's a variable that they control, uh, and that would, in large part, help uh, the, the cost base of tar mines, and you know, I, I think it's beyond time. Like, no, no, that, would, that would help a, a lot of people, but uh, the approach has been to help companies uh, through uh, funds like uh, that European fund, or there's a Just Energy fund, uh, which I'm not sure if that was mentioned uh, in the requests from uh, the company to the government. The trade union were saying that they had sought to meet with the government to suggest that they would look at, at that, but it appears that the government came back in April to Belyden, said you can't qualify for the European Fund, you're on your own. Yeah, and the, the, I know that Belyden has been reaching out to Minister Ryan uh, over a large number of months to see will he, uh, he meet him, this is the Green Party Minister, um, and uh, that that hasn't happened. You well, know. they were looking for that prospecting uh, drilling licence, uh, which should have been renewed in December, uh, that didn't get the licence until the 1st of December, which obstructed them from doing the work that they do for six months. Absolutely, and I understand that this, the licence that they have achieved, which is a, a normally a, a five-year licence, is uh, potentially only a two-year licence in this case. So, again, what we have really is a minister, Eamon Ryan, from the Green Party, literally playing an obstructionist role in terms of the smooth running of this particular mine uh, in, 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 in County Meath, in terms of, you know, it is the Green Party objective to have high electricity prices. They want high electricity prices. Because is mining um, something that the Green Party support, do you think? Well, I, I, I have seen no positive actions by the Green Party in terms of the functioning of this mine. You know, absolutely, I believe that mines should function uh, in sympathy with the, the environments that they're, they're uh, operating within, uh, that they should be held to high regulation in terms of uh, effluent or uh, damage potentially to, to the local environment. But if they're fulfilling uh, those responsibilities, 
they should be able to operate. Like everybody, you know, in, in, we need zinc in our phones and in our computers and, and in, in our cars nowadays. It's not a material that we can do without. And here we are in Meath, which potentially in Tara Deep, one of the, uh, the largest um, ore bodies, uh, you know, in, in, in Europe that could be extracted over the next 15 or 20 years, which could significantly help the economy of Meath. But right now, that, that whole process is, is under major question because the Green Party are, are for their own narrow mm. ideology, are making it more difficult for this company to function uh, in Meath. And, but when and your mind sink is there not a question uh, about whether you could contaminate the soil in uh, the immediate vicinity or, or water in areas close to the mine? Yeah, so I've been looking at this for a large number of years and I regularly put in parliamentary questions in terms of the effluent that's released into the Boyne. As, as, uh, I don't know if people you're listening to your show will know the geography, but um, some of the water that's used in the mine is actually released into the River Boyne uh, at the viaduct just uh, at Navin. Uh, but the EPA tests the water there uh, on, a, on a daily basis. The material that they can't get rid of into the river system um, is put into the tailings pond or mm. lake, uh, mm. which is to uh, the north of uh, Tara Mines in the Rataldron area. And that's a vast space with, you know, up to 600 acres with walls uh, of 60 foot high um, holding in this material. Now, in fairness to Tara Mines, they have uh, scientists that monitor the, the water that comes out of that on a regular basis. They have, you know, wild goats that live in it and they test the meat of the wild goat for toxicity on a regular basis. Uh, and I'm not saying that mining doesn't have any impact, but the, the point of the matter is, since 1977, this mine has operated in the Navan area. And since 1977, in the main, it has operated successfully uh, in, in the environment and in the community. And to be honest, one of the problems I have with the government's strategy for Meath is Tower Mines is practically the biggest employer in the whole of County Meath. Now, it's only here by fluke of, of, of nature. Um, but the point is, this morning, the majority of people, workers in Meath, left the county to go to work. So we have a real dearth, a real absence of proper uh, jobs, local jobs in this county. Most people are forced to, 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 um, to commute. And, you know, we don't have other options here. And if Tower Mines closes, it's not just the 650 direct employ- employees. It's the 200 indirect employees. and then Well, there's another 500 direct uh, employees uh, at a, a minimum, we're told, uh, who are on full-time contracts with the company. It's probably more like 600 and quite possibly more than that. Well, the, the, the total figure that's been um, estimated now is over 3,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, jobs that are, are, are dependent on, on tar mines. And, but like, there's no doubt in my mind, this, the shops, the mm, cafes, mm. Uh, all the other ancillary businesses. So this is going to have a significant economic uh, impact. It's going to hurt. And right now, so many of these families are already struggling with the cost of living. We're talking about people potentially defaulting on mortgages, uh, etc., uh, if they can't get a decent income. And I'll say this, Tower Mines also have a significant responsibility to the workers themselves. We had something similar happen in, in 2001, 2002. But at that time, the, the previous owner of the, the mine at least provided some level of funding to workers who were, who were on temporary layoff at that time. And I, I think Tower Mines has to go back to the unions and cut some kind of a negotiated deal to make sure that workers are not left without any financial support from Tower Mines uh, in this intervening time. But the, the key point here is the government needs to get its act together in terms of 
um, support for the mine, especially on electricity prices. Because what's happening to tower mines is happening to small businesses throughout the country uh, in terms of, of, of electricity prices. Mm. Okay. Do you believe it can be done in the short time frame uh, available given state aid rules and uh, the complexities in setting, uh, in establishing some of uh, the schemes, the type of schemes that you were talking about? I think that there's, there's a will, where there's a will, there's a way. And the fact that we have a, a um, um, the Electricity Ireland as a semi-state uh, body, the fact that we've been talking about tools to reduce the price of electricity, such as windfall taxes, now, for practically a year, you know, the other countries such as Italy, Germany, Spain, Portugal and Britain have already implemented those windfall taxes, which in, in, on one level has taken in uh, billions of euros of taxes, but on the other level has forced companies to reduce electricity prices because they don't want to, to pay those taxes. You know, all of those levers are in the hands of the government at the moment. But, you know, we have a Green Party there uh, who is ideologically opposed to this, who wants higher electricity prices to reduce consumption uh, for its own political objectives. And, and you know, I, I understand climate change is real and we have, to, get to, we have to, uh, to, to fight it. But at the moment, we need to make sure the families can feed themselves, can pay their mortgages, pay their rent uh, and live. And that's not happening currently with at least 2,000 workers in County Meath. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. That is Ain Two's leader and founder, Peter Tobin, uh, TD for Meath West. Michael Reed on LMFM. Thanks to David Carney for the email he sent yesterday. It reads, Dear Michael and others, I don't know who is worse, you or Damien English, for allowing him back on air without addressing his corrupt dealing with planning issues around his present domicile. English should not only have been removed from a position of power, but he should be put out of uh, the doll permanently. I've been listening to his lies and BS for too many years now, and I'm sick of of all these FFFGTDs thumbing their noses at us while they blatantly ignore the rules and laws that we must all keep and are allowed to continue to continue doing so unrestricted and without proper sanction. It is disgusting that you allow this reprobate back on air after his hiding in the shadows for so long, avoiding his legal and moral obligation to be honest, truthful, respectful and responsible to the electorate. You're letting him off the hook is just more of the crap and cronyism that has ruined this country, allowing him to think he can come on air to show his political concern about Tara Mines before addressing his corrupt behaviour is your or LMFM's bot's decision and it is beyond belief. History of Tara Mines has always shown it is a precarious business but allowing English Act the big concerned politician again before addressing his despicable contempt for his constituents is just plain political interference and bias. I am sick of this mainstream media and sippo contemptible way of letting politicians get away with legalities and corruption. As I say, that's an email that came from David Kearney yesterday. I did respond to David and said, well, he made some valid points, uh, but uh, we had to make a call. And in the interest of getting information for the 650 workers who are facing layoff, that was the call that we made. Uh, but we did ask uh, Damien English to come on uh, and talk about uh, the situation that led to his resignation. If you were listening yesterday, you'd have heard Damien English agree to do that. And he joins us now. Uh, very good morning to you, Damien English. And thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme today. Do you wish to respond to David Carney? 
Well, I think it's been a bit unfair to you. I think you were, you were very straight at the program yesterday that you felt it was appropriate to deal with this today, and I agreed with you. So I think that's. I think. I think the, the workers of Tara Mines and the situation in Tara Mines is serious enough for us to be able to focus our minds on that. And, and I appreciate your common sense approach to that. I think you were right. Okay. Uh, maybe uh, you can tell us uh, 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 about what happened in January or more to the point uh, what happened in 2008 uh, indeed what's happened in recent weeks two investigations uh, are not going to happen Sipo has said they won't investigate what happened uh, a complaint that was made by Paul Murphy the ethics committee uh, have uh, said that they're not going to investigate what happened was there an internal Fine Gael investigation uh, no, Michael, there was not. Um, Sipo, so after, just to, to, to clear and explain the different uh, investigations or preliminary investigations. Well, they're, they're not going ahead, but uh, there wasn't an uh, intern because the Taoiseach uh, did give the impre- impression when he was responding to uh, Ivana Bakaji in the doll that Fine Gael would deal with this internally, but there was no uh, party investigation I- into your behaviour. Nope. Okay. There was no Garda investigation? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. All right, because uh, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think uh, it's illegal to give false information on a planning application, is it? I suppose, Michael. In my case, I immediately come out and. Mm. But it's not. But 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 but, but, but the act of giving but the act of giving false information on a planning application isn't illegal, is it? Well, I shouldn't have done it. And no, I know, but, 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 well, I suppose that's what I, I, I think everybody agrees you shouldn't have done it. Yeah, but, no. but I think that that's, the, the, I'm, leading, I'm leading to the question, should it be made illegal? I, I, look, I, I, don't, I don't know. There is a planning uh, file, a planning, new planning bill going through the door at the moment, and there might be different views on that as well. Okay, but did you get knowingly give false information uh, in, in that application to meet County Council? In, in my case, Michael, when, and, and, and genuinely, when, when I got the email uh, advising me of my file and the, the errors I made in it, as soon as I looked at it, it was 15 years ago, uh, to be honest with you, as soon as I looked at it, I, I realised that it was, it was very clear that the planner had got the impression that I had no house that, that was my fault um, and I immediately as soon as the first chance I got to meet the Taoiseach I explained to him what happened and that I was resigning and because I knew straight away that it was wrong and wrong but by did you my lie apart from, apart from any other issue it was wrong mm. by my standards so the, the information was but wrong did you lie and that was clear well call it what you like the information well, was wrong wrong. did, so, did you no. lie the information it was not it was well the, well the information was wrong then you're you're not going to say you lied but wrong. but did did you knowingly give wrong information it, the information was wrong and I'm taking but did you for but that. did did, did did you knowingly do that whenever I did my planner file fifteen years ago it was clear that the planner read my file and it, I didn't make it clear that I already own a house, a house within my family for generations. Well, now, 15 years ago, you were 30 years of age. You, yeah. you, you'd you been working as a TD for six years. Uh, you weren't green uh, around the gills. Uh, and you gave false information to Mead County Council in your planning application. Did you knowingly give false information to Mead County Michael, I, I'm going to be very clear on this. The information on my file was wrong. I take responsibility for that. That's not That's clear. That's not clear. Well, you, 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 can't you can't be any clearer. No, you can. You can. You can. You can tell us if you lied. You can tell us if you knowingly gave false information. We know the information was wrong. But did you knowingly give false information? The information was wrong. I am responsible. Well, it for seems. That. It seems. It's. It, it seems you lied, and you're not refuting that. 
you, you, Michael, that's fine. You can call that what you like. I, I am telling you very clearly, very honestly here, I'm putting my hand up, which I did immediately. Okay. When, you, when you were caught out, uh, where were you living in 2008? 2008, I was living in, in that house, and that's, yeah, and that's what, what I'm saying. It was, it was addressed. So, I, so, so, you knowingly, so you knowingly lied. I, uh, I mean, part, I part, as part of your application, uh, you sent invoices in, uh, you sent mobile phone bills in, you sent bank statements in, insurance documents in, uh, and this was to prove that you were living with your parents when you weren't living with your parents. So to be to be to be very black and white on this, I have said in January, and I stand over this. I immediately came out and said the information was wrong. That's my fault. It was my plan. But it's not just that the information was wrong. We, we all know the information was wrong. The fact of the matter is that you worked hard at, at pulling the wall over Mead County Council's eyes. You produced evidence that you were living with your parents. You were sending in phone bills and bank statements to say that you were living with your parents when you were not. So where the, where the, where the error is here, where the misinformation is here, I did not declare that I had a property at Castle Martin Avenue, the property in question. That not only that, but you pretended that you were living with your parents. Michael, uh, all I can tell you is that, that I am, I'm, I'm admitting that this, that I have immediately have come out in January and said... The information was wrong. That's why I resigned. Because That's you cheated. I took the decision. I call it what you like. It doesn't matter. I'm calling it fact. cheating. When you send in phone bills and statements yes. uh, which say that you're living in one place uh, which has a huge significance uh, on how the application is received, if you had told the council uh, that you were living in Castle Martin instead of Cookstown, uh, you, you uh, I beg your pardon, if you were, uh, I have my addresses mixed up, but yeah. if you were living in your house rather than your parents' house, uh, your your planning uh, application would have been refused. Yeah, look, no, we, we don't know about that because planning, you know, planning decisions are planning decisions. I can only speak for and, and, and say what, what I have done. Well, we do, we do, we, we do know that by the rules, by the rules of the Rural Development Section of the Mead County Council Development Plan 2007, um, it, it says uh, that uh, it, it can only be given uh, to people who do not possess a dwelling or who have not possessed a dwelling in the past in which they have resided or who possess a dwelling in which they do not currently reside. Uh, you would have been refused by the rules. Yeah, so, so Michael, I, I can't judge that. Nobody can judge that. Every plan and file is different. But I, I am very clearly saying, and this is what I am sorry about, this is what I've apologised for, this is why I resigned. It is clear when you read my file. The planner... Uh, took from my profile that I, that I did not have a house and made the decision based on that. I am responsible for that, for that information being incorrect. I take full responsibility. I have put my hands up. I immediately resigned. I, 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 I can't do much more about that. Mm. Uh, and th- so I took the action but you see, as I possibly could. But you see, what, what, to but what do you... I this or mislead this in any shape or form. Just straight up said, yes, I, this is wrong. When you were it, caught out... When you were caught red-handed, well, well, yeah. when the ditch published, well, well, when the ditch published uh, the planning application, when you were caught out, uh, you 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 admitted that you lied and cheated. As soon as it was brought to my attention, I looked back over the file and as much as that's not true either. That now now you're 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 not being honest. You're, you're that's not true. You're saying that as soon as it was brought to your, sure you knew about it. You did it. It wasn't brought to your attention. You were caught out. Michael, we're going to disagree on this now. I no, 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 we can't disagree. I mean, you've told us that you uh, 
filled out the form incorrectly. You did that. That's a fact. So that's, as soon as I looked at my file again in January, in, uh, when the ditch brought it to my attention, I read the file and I immediately knew that this was wrong. And I immediately thought to meet the Taoiseach. Uh, it ended up being that night. And then I... As somebody who had been working as a TD for six years, did you not know in 2008 that it was wrong? Uh, until, uh, and January, Michael, uh, 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 until I was brought to my attention again in January, I had never even thought of the planning again. I was busy building a house, busy rearing a family, with my wife and my four kids, and busy being a TD. It, it didn't even come across me again until as soon as I got correspondence from the ditch, I read the file, and I knew, and I acted appropriately, uh, in my view, uh, as appropriately and as quickly as I possibly could. Okay. Uh, because it was wrong, and I and I'm, people I'm, like yourself I'm, who I'm aren't a, people like yourself who are, are, aren't farmers who want planning permission for rural housing. Uh, people local to an area are considered to include those who have spent substantial periods of their lives living in rural areas as members of the established rural community for a period in excess of five years, and who do not possess a dwelling or who have not possessed a dwelling in the past in which they've resided, or who possess a dwelling in which they do not currently reside. You were living in a house that you owned, and you didn't declare it. Uh, You intentionally did that by way of sending in false documents, which appeared, gave the impression that you were living in your parents' house. Michael, if I was doing my plan of mission again, of course it would be done differently. I am saying to you that absolutely... What, did you swallow a dose of honesty in between? The information was wrong. It wasn't wrong. Well, it was wrong, but it was dishonest, was it not? Can you not admit it was dishonest? We can we can go round in circles, Michael. I am the one that's saying it was wrong. I said it before anybody else in January, so that's that's it. I have said it before you were about to be fired. I am sorry before before you were about to be fired. Now, uh, were you about to be fired? Did the Taoiseach tell you to resign or he push you? I can absolutely confirm to you, Michael, because it was a one-on-one conversation. I went to the Taoiseach and told him that I was resigning, handed because. This was below my standards, the standards I set. Regardless of any other rules or regulations, it was absolutely below the standards I set for myself. And I told him I was resigning, and there was no ifs or buts about it. It's, to me, it's black and white. One of the things we heard from a lot of people over the last six months when you weren't taking a call from any media outlet uh, was that there appears to be one rule for Damien English and a totally different set of rules for everybody else. That's fair comment, yeah. isn't it? Look, there's, been, there's been loads of comments on this. And, and, and I am saying that I absolutely, black and white, am admitting I was wrong. I'm not trying to prove anybody else right or wrong. But you I won't admit that you lied. You won't admit, admit that you cheated. You won't uh, admit that you were dishonest. So, Michael, I, I, again, I, I can only tell you what, what, what I told the Taoiseach. But why uh, will you not, why, why, why will you not uh, uh, own up to the gravity of the wrong that you are admitting to? I, I think, Michael, to be honest with you, I, I, I think I am owning up to the gravity. I immediately resigned my position as a junior minister, which I, which I love doing. I thought I was doing a good job. I liked doing it on behalf of the people. I was yeah. working hard. And to me, I, 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 you know, I had to resign from that. I, okay, that let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a spade a spade here. You said you're going to stand in the next election. Uh, and you know that uh, you'll get nowhere if you admit to being a liar and a cheat. Isn't that what's at the heart of you refusing to use those words? 
So the, so the next election, uh, the people of Mead West, who I've worked and served for as long as I possibly over the last 20 years, they have to make a judgment call. And no doubt, uh, on every door I knock on... Can you help them with it? Can you help them with it? Uh, are you a liar and a cheat? Oh, and every... I, I already, Michael, over the last uh, couple of months, the home of the people I've met and dealt with through the office, we've had a similar conversation I'm having with you. I've explained what I did. I've explained I was wrong. I put my hand up. Everybody has their own view of that. You have very strong views and that, so has everybody else. And I don't have views uh, on it. I, 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 I'm saying it, it appears that way and I'm asking you a question and I'm trying to give you all the space in the world to answer that question and I'll accept whatever answer you give, if you give an answer, but you're choosing not to answer the question. Um, is that correct? Well, I, I have answered the question, but and it's and no. I'm, well, the answer is yes or no. Are you a liar or a cheat? The answer is the information I gave in my file was wrong. I, I am responsible for that. So you are choosing not to answer the question, me, Michael, and I resigned. And 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 well, you, well now you, you you resigned from your position as the Minister of State. You continue to work as a, a TD on a salary of one hundred and ten thousand. Nobody's seen or heard from you for six months. So I think, let's be fair on this now, Michael, the work, con- the work continues. Uh, I and my office have been extremely busy over the last number of months. We are inundated with people coming to us looking for assistance and service and information and to make representations on, on their behalf and to fight for the county. I've done that all my life and I'm very lucky to have a very strong team. And we've continued to do that as busy as ever for the last number of months. It is absolutely correct to say I did not do any media or make any public comment. For, and the main reason is because there were, there were two pending investigations, one by the Standards and Public Office mm. Commission, otherwise known as SIPO, and the other one was the Ethics Committee. They started immediately when I made my statement, and do I didn't feel it would be appropriate. Do you think Fine Gael will put you on the ticket? Their work. Well, that, that's the first job I have to do, is go through a convention, uh, uh, and hopefully I can get through that successfully, put my name before the electorate, and the, the people of Mead West, they, they, they make mm. a judgment call, and they look at all the candidates like they always do, and we'll all make an argument. But do you think you'll be a candidate? Uh, I, I mean, if you won't, if you won't say you are or you are not a liar and a, a cheat, uh, would it be in the interest of Fine Gael to put somebody forward who, who um, can't answer such a question? So, so the process in uh, for to be selected to be a candidate, they, we have a convention. Uh, there's about 500 members in Mead West. Uh, they'll they'll all have their own view on this, and then we'll we'll have a vote at that. And if I come through a convention, then I can run as a candidate. There is a process to do that, and then part of that, then I have to stand in front of thousands of people at their doors and I repeat again and explain again what I did wrong with my planning file, and and no denying that that it was wrong, uh, and that's why I resigned. I am not trying to cover it up. I'm being very clear about that. Everybody can call it what they like. I am saying very clearly, and that I did this. It's my fault. It's nobody else's fault. I take full responsibility. And mm. people can judge me on that, and they have to make their own call on that. I will continue to do the work I have always done, and I try to do it as best I possibly can. And if that's enough, uh, and people think, think I can still do a good job as a TD, I will earn their vote. And if I don't, I don't. I can only try to do my best. And for me, uh, I let myself down and my team down and, and many others with what I did with my planning file. I take full responsibility I'm sorry for it. I wish it didn't happen. I wish I could fix it. But I have to just deal with it as best I possibly could. And to me, that was to immediately resign and, to, and then, you know, deal with the, mm. the pending investigations and then try to keep, keep continue doing our work. As I said, we're busy in the office and that's, yeah. that's what I have to do with okay. my job. Well, uh, I know, I, whenever I, it comes about. OK, I have no doubt uh, the questions I put to you were pertinent questions. Uh, I, I do hope you, you, you'll agree they were questions that people wanted asked of you and I hope that you'll also uh, agree uh, that I gave you the time and space to respond to them. 
Michael, absolutely, and I totally understand that. And, and, and the, you're absolutely, you're right and everyone else is right. And I've, I've met people and I will continue meeting people and answer the questions and explain this. You know, I, I'm, I, I, I'm putting my hands up here. I'm not denying this. I'm not trying to cover this up. I'm saying yes, that this planning file was wrong. And that's my fault. Nobody okay. else's fault. Uh, and that's what, you know, that's what I have okay. to, be, to be judged on. All right. Well, look, thank you for taking our questions. Thanks for coming back today uh, and for joining us on the programme. That's Finnegale TD for Mead West, Damien English. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, arrivals from Ukraine in Ireland is the 10th in a series of releases from the Central Statistics Office. What does it tell us? Well, not a, a lot of you say it very quickly. But if you step back for a moment, what it tells us is truly phenomenal. In a country with a population of just over 5 million, close to 85,000 Ukrainians have arrived in this country over the last 13, 14 months. Uh, that's 84,613 to be uh, precise, uh, according uh, to this research, that number is based on PPS uh, numbers. Uh, let's speak uh, to one of uh, the researchers behind this. Declan Smith is a senior statistician with the CSO. Good morning, Declan, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. It is fa- fascinating, it has to be said. Tell us uh, about the 85,000 people who have become our, our new neighbours, if you would, please. Uh, okay, well, since the invasion of Ukraine last February, um, which uh, February 2022, so it's hard to believe it's already been over a year, uh, 85,000 or just under 85,000 people have arrived from Ukraine based on PPSN allocations. So that's a, a 14% increase since our, our last series on the, the 22nd of February this year, which was one year on from the initial invasion. But we're still seeing arrivals coming in from Ukraine, um, a steady flow now of about five to 600 a week. Yeah, you published this on the 13th of June. 600 people had arrived into the country in the previous seven days. Uh, yeah. uh, how how does that compare to the numbers arriving on a weekly basis over the last year or so? Well, the the, the weekly trends, I suppose, have slowed down from the the initial, um, you know, the, the initial months after the invasion started. But what we're seeing is there is still a steady flow of people coming into the country, and I suppose it remains to see what will be the magnitude of the flows in over the summer. Okay, tell us about the people. Um, there's okay. a, a lot of women, obviously, but a, a lot of men too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like I suppose if you were to try and characterise at a very broad level, we're still talking predominantly about uh, women and and children. Um, there has been an increase uh, among uh, males, but if you were to look at the overall figures um, of women aged twenty and over, they account for forty six percent of the uh, arrivals to date, and men in the same age group would account for twenty two percent. And then if you look at uh, the the those both males and females aged under 20 they account for 32 percent so you know between women aged over 20 and individuals aged less than 20 you're looking at 78 percent effectively women and children coming in um, again if you look at uh, those that are aged over 18 and uh, look at those that are married or cohabiting 
62% of those uh, of males were uh, in that marital status category compared to 47% of females. So mm. there is males coming in as well, but they're coming in, they're married and, and cohabiting. Okay, there's a, a lot of talent, it would say, uh, in this cohort of people. The largest group are professionals. That's right. Um we were able to get this data um, from the employment support events arranged by the Intro uh, Public Employee Services in, in conjunction with the Department of Social Protection. And in those events, to date, about uh, just under 23,000 have attended this. And of those that uh, had uh, the, the, the previous occupations recorded, um, there was about 15,800 of those. The largest percentage was professionals at 21%. So that would be including, you know, people in the field of science and engineering, health, business and admin, and teaching professions. And I suppose to kind of complement that as well, um, at the same events, uh, just under 25,000 recorded their highest level of education and was found that 62% had achieved an NFQ level qualification equivalent to seven, which is a bachelor degree or higher. Okay, talent uh, and plenty of it uh, for the country to look at uh, and to tap into uh, if it so chooses to do. And you'll find talented people all around the country. I take it there's uh, Ukrainians living in every corner of uh, the country, but you'll find more in certain parts of the country than other parts. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the analysis is broken down into local electoral areas. So that's 166 uh, breakdowns uh, at the geographical level of the country. And there's Ukrainians present in every single one of them. And obviously there'll be some more in others. Now, if we were to to look at at an LEA level, um, Killarney has the highest number of arrivals from Ukraine at 2,300. But if you were to look at the proportion or the percentage of arrivals from Ukraine to the per population, um, and its timing in Clare would be the highest at uh, 10.5%. Wow. So meaning that you know every one in 10 people in an endless time and is, uh, is someone who has arrived from Ukraine in the last year. Right, that really is phenomenal. I have to leave it there, Declan. I'm out of time, but thank you for your time and for joining us uh, this morning. Declan Smith, Senior Statistician with uh, the CSO. By the way, we'll start tomorrow's programme with comments that come to us in relation to Damien English's interview this morning. That's tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.